Hey everybody, this is another episode of Real Talk for Real Women. Let the healing begin. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the podcast. Good evening and welcome to Real Talk for Real Women. Let the healing begin. We have a special guest joining us tonight. We have Deborah Hansen, who is the CEO of Rafa House here in Conyers, Georgia. And I've been knowing Deborah for Many years now, uh, when my parents had a ministry in Decatur, Deborah used to come and step in and help minister when they were out. So I've been knowing her for many years. As a matter of fact, she's the one who told me I would be mentoring young girls. And I recall coming home and writing in my journal about the experience with Deborah wow. telling me this and laughing. And uh yeah, tomorrow will be my first day uh, mentoring young girls over at Phoenix Pass here in Conyers. So, Deborah, as I said before, you're not a false prophet. Yeah. <laughs> so, thanks again for joining us. We are going to be talking about emotional triggers. Back in October, I spoke about some triggers that I had at the age of 39 when I was asked to speak for a Mother's Day service. and as I was preparing for that service, I really went through a hard time trying to find the right words to talk about Mother's Day because my mother was not the Hallmark card mother. My mother was a heroin addict and my grandparents were raising me and my dad was a drug dealer. So as I was trying to come up with something nice to say for Mother's Day, I really had some bad emotions that boiled up and wasn't sure where all that came from because I was 39 at the time, had a great relationship with my mom. My mom was in the church. She was very active. She was saved and we had a great relationship, but preparing for that service, it really sent me down a spiral and just wasn't sure where that all came from, how it all came about. So I know with the holidays, care in full effect. People deal with triggers and just wanted you to uh, first off introduce yourself, uh, share your background and some information about Rafa House and then just dive into what emotional triggers are. Okay. Well, I'm happy to be here. Let me say that first. Um, I am a licensed professional counselor um, and prior to that, I started off as a teacher in New York City then moved to Georgia and uh, continued my uh, career in teaching. And I have been teaching in Georgia probably about, altogether was about 12 years, including New York. Um, and I was teaching seventh grade in Rockdale County. And um, I had a student who committed suicide. And that experience was the impetus for me going back to school and getting um, the advanced degree in, in school counseling. And then later I went back and got a second master's in guidance and counseling. And I always tell people um, my, my, my passion is grief and loss. I, I, I love that, that, that genre or that, that section of, um, of counseling. Um, and one of the things I always say is that whenever we have a loss, there's always the opportunity to reinvent yourself 
And so I reinvented myself um, in the sense that I don't think I would have pursued counseling had I not had the student who committed suicide. Mm -hmm. um, as a matter of fact, we had three suicides in the school in 18 months time. So the first mm -hmm. two, I knew those students and the last one, I just knew of him. Um, so I got into counseling and then went back to the school system as a school counselor and then ended my career as head of the Department of Counseling within the school. Um, so I had I had about mm, 15 years of school counseling and um, school counseling is so different than community counseling, um, which I do now. And my practice, I see I see children, I see adolescents and I see adults um, up to about 65 because in this state, um, my licensure won't allow me to see people after uh, over 65 until January. So that's when the law changes. So um, I do a variety of things. Like I said, my favorite is grief and loss, but because I um, was an educator, I see probably half my clientele are kids. And I see them for grief and loss as well. Um, divorce falls right under that category of grief and loss. And I see um, children who are depressed. Um, mm -hmm. Several of my students, I'm saying students, several of my clients are, are um, young people who have tried to end their life. Mm -hmm. um, and so one of the things that um, I'm getting to experience in this career where I am right now is when I first started my career, I remember thinking suicide was something um, Caucasian people do, mm -hmm. okay? Mm -hmm. Because the research bared that out, the data bared that out, that typically um, Caucasians uh, in their life and black, as Black African-Americans, we were very low on the, the totem pole. But um, in today, today's society, um, white people are, are still committing suicide at higher rates, but African-Americans in our community, the numbers are rising. Mm -hmm. um, and that kind of transfers to me seeing kids who are trying to end their life. Mm -hmm. And that's a whole nother topic on what I think is driving that. But yeah. numbers do bear out that in the African-American community, the numbers are, are climbing exponentially, not just a mm -hmm. little bit, but a lot. If you pay attention to media, um, you know, several celebrities, African-American celebrities have um, had children who committed suicide or they mm -hmm. attempted suicide or completed suicide. That's the terminology that we use today. Mm -hmm. um, so I get to see individuals that are depressed and specifically children. I see adults that are depressed as well. Mm -hmm. um, so anxiety, depression, grief and loss, um, change of life circumstances, like retirement. Retirement mm -hmm. falls in that category or can fall in the category of grief and loss. Wow. Because if your whole life um, centers around your career and that's how you define yourself, to not have that mm -hmm. can kind of send you in a tailspin. So that's how I got started. Um, just kind of uh, traversed from elementary to middle school to 
school counselor um, over the department to now being in private practice um, and just absolutely loving what I do. Um, I have friends who say, when are you going to retire? And I go, well, I don't know. You know, mm-hmm. I, I could do this till I'm in my 80s. You mm-hmm. know, I don't know how much I would remember. You know, <laughs> my memory, it may not work in my 80s, but right now I'm still enjoying it. And mm-hmm. I am, um, my biggest challenge is not taking on too much um, mm-hmm. because I think anybody that really goes in this field, you do it because you care about people. Mm-hmm. So when someone calls you up and said says, I really need to see someone. Mm-hmm. Um, and they start telling you their story. It's very um, natural for me to try to fit them in somehow, some way. And yeah. then yeah. Um, feel a little bit tired from working a six client day versus a four client day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, I just like what I do. I feel yeah. like I was made to do what I do. So awesome. Sounds yeah. like it. Sounds yeah. like it. Thank yeah. you for sharing that background. Now, as um as it relates to emotional triggers, can you tell me about emotional triggers, why they mm-hmm. occur and how they impact our overall emotional well-being? Yeah. So when people hear triggers, most of the time they think of it in a negative aspect, right? Mm-hmm. I had a trigger and this is what mm-hmm. happened. But um, triggers aren't always bad, Mm -hmm. okay? Because what we know is that the brain sometimes suppresses stuff to protect us. Mm -hmm. You know, we can't take but so much. And so Mm -hmm. when we have children who have been in a traumatic experience, oftentimes they will bury stuff, all Mm -hmm. right? And, you know, as the years go by, they don't remember that it happened. Um, I had an experience with my brother. My parents use, um, I guess what you would call corporal punishment. Okay. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. my brother and I, they're, they're 16 months, we're 16 months apart. And my brother and I would be talking and he would talk about things that had happened in our childhood. And I was like, I don't remember that. Mm-hmm. And he was like, you don't remember? My brother has a very good memory. Let me add mm-hmm, that also. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and so he would bring up topics that I totally did not remember. But as he spoke more and more about it, it would draw my memory. And I would say, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to point out that what's a traumatic experience for one person may not be a traumatic experience mm-hmm. for another one. Exactly. So my brother's Um, perception was that it was a traumatic experience. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I never looked at it as a traumatic experience. Mm -hmm. But as I started to go back and see his point of view, which Mm -hmm. is what what trauma is, is from that person's perspective, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I understood how he saw it as a traumatic event. All Mm -hmm. right. And so um, he would get triggered over different things that would happen. So the brain tries to protect itself, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, you lost your parents, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk you through what I mean. Mm-hmm. So when you have a loss, and you're grieving, and you're crying, and you're, you know, really your world is just disrupted, do you remember when you would have days or weeks where 
At first, it starts off with days where it doesn't bother you and you don't cry. Mm-hmm. And you go, okay, all right, mm-hmm. the worst is over. Mm-hmm. And then you have a downpour of emotions, maybe the day after. And the theory behind that is that the brain is protecting us from all these strong emotions. And so you get a little bit of, of a break in between. And mm-hmm. we kind of think of it as, okay, I'm good now. I've accepted exactly. it. Well, exactly. when the brain does that in, in several other uh, situations like trauma, you know, mm-hmm. an experience where it will bury it because it's just too painful for us. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so you've got these buried things that will um, be laid dormant. And then you will have something that happens and it triggers you. Okay. Mm -hmm. So you could be triggered and then um, you become very angry. Mm -hmm. Okay. About some, what something that happened to you, Mm -hmm. what someone did to you. I, I was working with a young lady the other night and when we talk, she always praises her mom, sort of like how you started off. Mm-hmm. And she said something, and I said, so what do you mean about your mom? Like, what, what's going on in that relationship? Mm-hmm. And she started talking about how her mom used to beat her so badly mm-hmm. that um, she was taken out of the home. She mm-hmm. was put in foster care. Mm-hmm. And had I not gone down that avenue of asking her something that seemed to contradict something she had said earlier, mm-hmm. I wouldn't have ever known it, mm-hmm. okay? And so as we talked about it, she became angry. You know, mm-hmm. she spoke about the, the situation was that her mom wanted her to come and visit her. And mm-hmm. she was like, I don't want to go visit her. So mm-hmm. when she was talking to me, it was just like, I don't want to go visit her. Nothing mm-hmm. wrong with that. Mm-hmm. But when she started to dig deeper, then all the other stuff started to come out. Mm -hmm. So when we have a trigger, it can take us back to the situation as if it happened yesterday. Mm -hmm. And then you're flooded with these emotions. And, Mm -hmm. you know, sometimes we don't know what to do with them. You know, we might kind of be by ourselves um, Mm -hmm. just so we can kind of process what's going on. Mm -hmm. Um, I say that triggers aren't always bad because sometimes we do need to deal with that stuff. Yeah, yeah. Because if you've got, um, it can affect your relationships, mm-hmm. you know, um, mm-hmm. something that happened to you in the past where perhaps a husband and a wife and the wife um, or the husband, they get triggered. And so they, they uh, you know, they take on this real cold kind of thing or mm-hmm. they seem personal or they seem like they are reluctant to share different things. Mm-hmm. Or they shut you down so that you don't kind of have those conversations. And it's important to recognize, okay, so where is this coming from? Mm-hmm. Like rejection. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I tell people, um, one of the things I share with people is the fact that uh, I, I've dealt with rejection mm-hmm. and I just, nobody likes to feel rejected. Mm-hmm. Let me say that, mm-hmm. okay? Mm-hmm. I felt I feel like my avoiding rejection is just mm-hmm. a little bit over the top. Mm-hmm. And so I started asking myself, why, why do I, why do I feel 
Um, why is rejection so hard for me? And why is self-esteem something that mm -hmm. I can battle with? Okay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I started thinking about it. I was like, so where, you know, where did this come from? And I, all of, all of a sudden I was transported back into my childhood. Mm -hmm. And I don't even remember how old I was. I know I was very young. And I remember my dad used to always be on me about mm -hmm. the way I walked. Mm -hmm. And he would say things like, um, he would say to my mother, I'm going to put her in charm school so she learns mm -hmm. how to walk. Mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. and those things really hurt me. Mm -hmm. you know? mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I, I became very self-conscious about mm -hmm. how I walk. You know, mm -hmm. am I walking right on my on my knees, touching mm -hmm. one another, not the, mm -hmm. you know. Exactly. You know, parents can say, and they really mm -hmm. don't know the impact that it has. Exactly. And so as I started to dig, I, I kind of came up with it. And I was like, that's why, because I've always idolized my dad. Mm -hmm. So to have mm -hmm. someone who you idolize, criticize you about something you have no control over. Exactly. It, it impacts you later. You mm -hmm. know, so it impacted me feeling, um, you know, with me being secure in who I am. Mm -hmm. You know, I can remember being in junior high school. It was junior high school back in the day. And I remember I had said to myself, I still remember this thought, when I get old enough and I get enough money, I'm going to get leg surgery. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Oh, my god. I never gosh. really realized where that wow. came from. But, you know, my friends were laughing. They were like, leg surgery. Mm -hmm. who, you know, who gets mm -hmm. leg surgery? Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. So... We bury things and sometimes yeah. we don't realize where they are. They're painful. Mm -hmm. when, we, when people talk about triggers, they talk about pain. And yeah. here's what you know, like if you try to avoid it, like with anxiety, mm -hmm. people who have anxiety, um, there's something called avoidance where you avoid the triggering event. Mm -hmm. stronger. Mm -hmm. The more you avoid it, wow, the stronger it gets. Wow. So... That's why I say triggers a lot of times go with avoidance because I don't want to feel the pain. Mm -hmm. So I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to go there and thinking about my past, mm -hmm. talking about my past because mm -hmm. it's too painful. So you avoid it and you think, mm -hmm. okay, good. I, you know, I didn't go down that road, but the next time it comes around, it comes back stronger. Mm -hmm. so one mm -hmm. of the things that I um, try to teach people who come to see me is that you can't avoid it. it it's law it's like having a fear of uh heights yeah right? yeah yeah if you avoid it it just gets stronger mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. so one of the mm -hmm. things that people do when we're trying to avoid something when we're trying to cure it when we're trying to fix it we try to immerse you in it, mm -hmm. you know okay mm -hmm. you are going to go down this flight of stairs and maybe you could just look off to the side mm -hmm. okay but mm -hmm. you're going and then mm -hmm. eventually you get to the point where you won't have to look over to the side you will have conquered your fear mm -hmm. you know the same mm -hmm. thing with dogs you know yeah you know you get bit by a dog mm -hmm. traumatic experience right for a lot of us that would be traumatic mm -hmm. and so you avoid dogs mm -hmm. it's just going to get stronger so mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. to find a person i mean that just runs yeah from a yeah but if exactly. you put them in therapy, one of the things with therapy is just to immerse them in that experience so mm -hmm. that they 
okay, dogs are dangerous, mm-hmm. but you don't mm-hmm. run from them, okay, because mm-hmm. they love to face you that way, mm-hmm. and you want to conquer what it is you're fearful of. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So facing and saying, okay, I'm triggered. Yeah. What's this all about? Have exactly. I dealt with it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Have I dealt with it? Exactly. You know, because sometimes exactly. we think we've dealt with stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's just lying, you know, yeah. dormant. Yes. Right? Yes. So exactly. you want to kind of deal with with the, the things that cause us discomfort. But, mm-hmm. you know, we live in a society, nobody wants any pain. That's mm-hmm. why we got drug Not problems, at all. right? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Every time you go to a doctor, where, let me give you a prescription. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't want to be mm-hmm. in any pain. Every time you can't get to sleep. And I'm not I'm not opposing those things. I'm saying mm-hmm. that we are a, a society that doesn't like pain. Yeah. And so what yeah. we do is we take different things to mask the pain. Mm-hmm. We don't deal mm-hmm. with it. And a lot of mm-hmm. times um, it comes back to haunt us. Mm-hmm. That is so very true. And like I said, I was 39 years old when that happened. And I was like, where is all of this coming from? Mm-hmm. But like you just mentioned, masking. And, I, and I, <laughs> I've said it when I've talked to groups that I had on a mask before COVID was a thing because mm-hmm. nobody... Other than my close circle, nobody knew how I grew up. I mean, I had one of my friends from high school. We've been friends since seventh grade. And just this year, he was like, I had no clue you grew up and your mother was a drug. (laughs) He's he's like, I had no clue. And I masked it very well because that was something I was like, you know what? Nobody needs to know how I grew up and and any of that. And they Uh don't need to know some of the stuff that I saw growing up with, you know, it was my mom, a few of my aunts, my uncles, heroin addicts, seeing them shooting drugs and all that. It's just always some drama. And Uh And I remember being really young and I was like, when I get older, you know, I'm not going to do drugs because I don't want the police coming to my house and I don't want this and I don't want that. And and so I just, I stuffed it all in and went on about life and, you yeah. know, I'm going to do this when I get old, I'm going to do that. So I don't have to deal with any of this. And yeah, and it all came to a head. And I remember getting on the podium that Mother's Day Sunday and I was like, you know what? I'm going to leave it all here on the altar. And I, I, you know, I shared a little bit Uh before I opened my mouth and I said, you know what, I'm going to pray a prayer that I prayed in my private time. And I got on my knees, Deborah, and I opened my mouth and I was like, God, I hate you. Why did you give me the family you gave me? Why did I have to see this? Why, you know, I just left it all at the altar. And when Uh I got up off my knees, I promise you, it felt like the weight of the world was released from my shoulders. And I was like, oh, my gosh. (laughs) And I had so many people who came up to me after that, just sharing their personal stories like, yeah, I, you know, I had a parent that was a drug, uh, uh, drug abuse and this and that. And I was, yeah, again, you you have no clue what people are dealing with or what they have dealt with until Mm -hmm. they face it. Until absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. You know, being um in the classroom and, you know, for me, when my student had committed suicide and I kept saying, what on earth does a child have to? Mm-hmm. 
what kind of experience could they have had where they want to end their life? You know, mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. how people say that. Exactly. When I was growing up, if I had mm -hmm. said I was going to end my life, my parents probably would have said, when? Or mm -hmm. let me help you. Because mm -hmm. they didn't, mm -hmm. they didn't really necessarily believe that mm -hmm. you could have trauma. Mm -hmm. You know, and like we said before, it's in the eye of the beholder. Exactly. You know, and exactly. so you could walk around just oblivious because we're we're taught. Um, I was taught number one, you don't talk about your business outside this house. Exactly. Exactly. Right? Mm -hmm. So it was <laughs> you just didn't you just didn't talk to anyone about mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um. And so one of the things, even when my parents would would um, give us a, a spanking, we we didn't call it spanking. We call it a beat. Okay, uh -huh. exactly. We called it a beat. You it know, because it's not like a yes, beat. It, yeah. Uh, but grab that extension cord. <laughs> man, my parents would have been in jail. Okay, exactly. They would have been in jail. Exactly. Some of the some of the stuff that um mm -hmm. that they did. So um. One of the things that my parents did that I hated and I vowed I would never do it with my son if mm -hmm. I had more children. And that was when you got disciplined, you couldn't go to your room. Mm -hmm. You had to stay there and cry. And then they would have the nerve to say, you better shut up or I give you something to cry about. Uh <laughs> Gave me something to cry about, right? Exactly, exactly. So holding those emotions in, yeah, yeah. You know yeah. that 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 can affect us negatively. Yeah. Well, we yeah. learn to hold that stuff in. Mm -hmm. As angry as you know, because yeah. you know you're angry. Yeah. You got your who you got your fist balled up at. Exactly. You know? Instead exactly. of letting the child go upstairs and process yeah. whatever's yeah. happened, cry mm -hmm. themselves through it. Instead mm -hmm. of kind of stuffing it down. Yeah. You know, yeah. because we learn to stuff stuff down and mm -hmm. then 20, 30 years in our interpersonal mm -hmm. relationships, mm -hmm. we have issues. Exactly. You know, we have exactly. issues. Hey, I can't tell them how I'm really feeling mm -hmm. because whatever that may be when we're an mm -hmm. adult. But um, most of the time when triggers occur, there's some stuff that has to be dealt with, mm -hmm. okay? Mm -hmm. um, and then it can't be used as an excuse. You know, yeah. I've worked with people. Yeah, yeah, we all have had stuff that happened. But yeah, mm -hmm. I got triggered and I just mm -hmm. slapped her. That, yeah. that doesn't hold yeah. weight. Exactly. You know, exactly. That, doesn't go, that doesn't hold any weight. And I can assure you, a judge is not going to give you a more lenient punishment because you slap someone because you got triggered by what they mm -hmm. said. Mm -hmm. And that's why you have to kind of deal with it and say, okay, yeah, this did happen. Mm -hmm. okay? And I was angry at God, mm -hmm. you know, and I did um, sometimes wish that person was dead and, mm -hmm. and things like that. Mm -hmm. um, and then once you deal with it and you ask God to come in and just cleanse you of it, mm -hmm. he'll, he'll mm -hmm. do it. You know, exactly. and, and not everybody gets healing right away. You know, yeah, you got your yeah. healing that day at the altar. Yeah, but yeah. sometimes it's a process of working through the forgiveness piece of it. Mm -hmm, you mm -hmm, know, because mm -hmm. oftentimes we say we forgive, 
much sooner than when we really forget. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, and mm-hmm. I, I can remember going through um, a very difficult time in my life where I was going through a divorce, and um, I was just so angry and everything. And um, my mother kept saying, "You gotta forgive, Deborah. You gotta forgive." And I was like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." When they asked me. That's uh-huh, when I was uh-huh, there. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And then, you know, my mom went through, no, they don't have to ask. Mm-hmm, but for mm-hmm. yourself, mm-hmm. you know, the forgiveness for yourself. Well, I started saying I forgave a lot quicker than where I, when I yeah, really yeah. had forgiven. Because mm-hmm. I had to get all that stuff out, all that, hurt, yeah. all that rejection, all that um, mm-hmm. abandonment, all, mm-hmm. all that, those negative emotions. That mm-hmm. make us mean and hateful. Exactly. So exactly. So um having the trigger can be very beneficial, especially mm-hmm. when it, it causes you to go back and deal with mm-hmm. that situation or that in- incident or that traumatic event mm-hmm. that occurred. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and speaking of dealing with it, what kind of coping mechanisms do you offer or share with your clients that can help them deal with that? Yeah, well, it depends on what it is. Mm-hmm. So sometimes people, sometimes have people who have had issues um, with someone that died and he never mm-hmm. got the stuff taken care of, right? Mm-hmm. So of course they're dead now. Mm-hmm. But one of the things that um, I'll do is I'll say, I want you to write a letter to them, mm-hmm. okay? And I want you to take your time and write this letter. I don't want you to sit down in one setting and write. I want you to really go back and identify mm-hmm. those things that offended mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. And write this letter and you can decide. Don't 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 say to yourself, oh, I'm going to have to do something with the letter. I'm going to have to confess that I felt this with someone else because mm-hmm. you don't necessarily have to do it that way. You can mm-hmm. write the letter um, and you can put it in an envelope, seal it up, put it in your drawer or you, but before you get to that part, it's getting it out on paper. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that, that method can work for some people. And then some people mm-hmm. aren't good at writing. They don't want to mm-hmm. write. Mm-hmm. And I tell them about the empty chair and the empty chair mm-hmm. is that you and the empty chair, that chair represents that person. And um, you keep going back to that empty chair until you get it all out. Mm-hmm. And then, mm-hmm. like with the letter, when you say, okay, I'm done with it. I'm not visiting it anymore. Mm-hmm. You can burn the letter or you just don't go to the empty chair. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean that it's not going to come back. And that's exactly. where sometimes people get a little like, did I really forget? Once it comes back, you remind yourself that you've dealt with it. Mm-hmm. Okay, no, mm-hmm. I'm not going down that path. I have forgiven. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. I have forgiven them. And, and and it's like a proclamation. Nope, not doing mm-hmm. that. It's done. It's buried. I'm over mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. So that is a coping strategy for dealing with um, matters where um, even the person doesn't have to be dead, but they might be unapproachable. Exactly. Right? Exactly. And then in some situations, what we know is that you know, people say confession is good for the soul. So go to the person. Okay. Mm-hmm. The Bible says, you know, you got art against your brother, leave mm-hmm. your offering at, at the altar and go get mm-hmm. them. Sometimes that can be very challenging because 
let's say uh, you someone sexually offended you and it was a relative mm -hmm. and you are going to go to them and you're going to say, look, I just need to let you know. Mm -hmm. um, I remember what you did to me mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. I have decided to forgive. You. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What if that person says, I don't know what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now you re-injured. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So that's why you yes. have to really weigh that. Um, yeah. because you could be re-injured and then that puts you in a more difficult, nastier uh, place mm -hmm. than you were before. Mm -hmm. So I do recommend that sometimes if that, that that's not an option of um, doing a face-to-face, -face, do the empty chair, do the letter. Yeah. And yeah. oftentimes I'll tell people they're doing the letter. Um, you can bring it to the next session and, and if you mm -hmm. want to share, mm -hmm. you can share it. I don't make them share it, but a lot mm -hmm. of times people will share and we'll mm -hmm. talk about it and then they are free to destroy the letter or just leave it in their dresser drawer wherever until they're ready to destroy it. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. So that's one way of dealing with unforgiveness and being offended. And then sometimes you have people with, with the anxiety, like we're living in during the pandemic, I had so many people I was seeing mm -hmm. because of the pandemic. Wow. You know, I was booked from morning to evening. Wow. And because everybody was was anxious, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. you know, people are dying all around you. You don't know yeah. who's going to die next. Exactly. Well, we're still living in anxiety filled times because yeah. if you look at the news, mm -hmm. oh, my gosh, mm -hmm. you got Israel and Palestine. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You've got murders. I mean, on mm -hmm. my YouTube, my Yahoo account, mm -hmm. several different murders. You got mm -hmm. parents, children killing one another. Exactly. You got black on black crime. Mm -hmm. You got layoffs. Companies mm -hmm. are starting to lay off people. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yep. You've got the rising crisis of food mm -hmm. prices. I go mm -hmm. in the supermarket and every day. I'm like, I don't know how people afford to live. Exactly. Okay? So you exactly. got all that stuff going on. It causes you to feel anxious. It mm -hmm. causes you to kind of say, like, what if I can't afford to pay my chip pay mm -hmm. for my kids to eat? I have mm -hmm. two clients now who've lost jobs. And she was like, I don't know what Christmas is going to look like. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't mm -hmm. know how long I can be without a job before I have to leave this apartment. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. I'm never going to be able to afford a house mm -hmm. because the interest rates are Okay, mm -hmm. so one of the things that I will tell people, first of all, is learn how to relax. Yeah, okay? yeah. Us who are in the body of Christ, we know that God is our, our source. He's not a resource, mm -hmm. he's our source. Mm -hmm. Okay, But that doesn't mean that sometimes you don't get a little jitter, you know? Exactly. Right? And so one of the things, the easiest thing is to limit your, your TV watching. Mm -hmm. I mm -hmm. tell clients, nope, do not mm -hmm. be watching that. Don't watch the news every night. Yeah, Take a break. Monday, Wednesday, mm -hmm. Friday, or maybe just on the weekends. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. So limiting that, relaxation, learning some deep breathing exercises. Mm -hmm. um, Self-care is one of the best things we do for ourselves. Awesome. And it's usually something that we first get put to the side when we're having a stressful time. I don't feel mm -hmm. like exercising. 
Well, mm -hmm. we know that good hormones, those feel-good hormones are released when we exercise. Exactly. It, just from taking a walk, mm -hmm. you know, just from getting your hair done, just from mm -hmm. getting your nails done. Those mm -hmm. things usually make us feel good. Music, mm -hmm. you know, pump up the music, mm -hmm. you know, um, looking at a good movie. Yeah. There's no killing in it, you know. Exactly, or, exactly. Or whatever, you know. Um, so those are things that you can do for yourself. And just talking about it and journaling. Mm -hmm. Journaling is very mm -hmm. um, good for just releasing stuff. Whether you're anxious or depressed, I try to get my my kids to, to journal and most of them don't like it. But when mm -hmm. they come in my office, the first five minutes, they get a sheet of paper and it uh -huh. says, what's on your mind? They get to write whatever's on their mind and that's where mm -hmm. you start. And mm -hmm. sometimes it's just having someone to listen to. Exactly. They don't even have to tell you what to do. Mm-hmm. 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 Just being heard. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And oh, then, of course, great. Mm -hmm. um, what I tell people all the time, the research shows that when people have a faith, a faith yeah. system, mm -hmm. that is one of the best medicines for some of what ails you. Yeah, okay. yeah. So when we talk about depression, I talk to parents, keep your children in church. Exactly. You know, especially exactly. if they've got a young people's ministry mm -hmm. where they mm -hmm. can talk to people that's other than their parent or whatever. Mm -hmm. Those mm -hmm. are what we call protective factors. Oh, and so okay. um, having faith, going to church, you know, the research shows it doesn't matter what church you're going to, uh -huh, uh -huh. Um, whether it's Christian or whether they're going to the mosque or whatever, um, mm -hmm. that it's very beneficial. So those mm -hmm. are what we call protective factors. Um, the self-care, the church, the exercising, finding something you like to do. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because yeah. like, oftentimes people who are depressed stop doing what they like to do. They don't feel like doing yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. Because you know, part of exactly. um, depression is that lethargy where you just, you don't feel like getting out of it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You, know, you don't feel like going, putting on clothes and stuff. Mm -hmm. But making yourself do some of the things that you don't want to do is good medicine as well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Awesome. This is great information, Deborah. And then we're going to just wrap up. Um, with you delving into the connection between emotional triggers and mental health. And you've already touched on a lot of this and how addressing the triggers positively can impact one's overall psychological state. And we'll just wrap up with that last piece. Yeah. Um, I'd like to say that when, when we're talking about triggers and how we will avoid them, that means it has control over. Mm -hmm. So that's why you deal with it. Because if you don't deal with it, you're always figure, you're always worried about if you get triggered again. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But if you deal with it, you don't have to worry about being triggered again. Mm -hmm. And you learn how to manage whatever those emotions that come with that. You learn to manage those. Okay, so I do feel this way. I do feel like God let me down. I do feel like my parents or whoever it is let me down. Once you deal with it, you dealt with it. And you and the thing about it is that what we know about the brain is that if you keep telling the brain something or the brain keeps um, 
the brain keeps recording what you do as a habit. That's why losing someone is so difficult because the brain keeps saying, where are they? You call mm -hmm. them every night. So mm -hmm. it keeps reminding you because it's got mm -hmm. this record going on. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. just like it has the record going on that this person is now missing, mm -hmm. you can start a new record that says, I forgive it. I've mm -hmm. dealt with this. I'm done with this. And so you keep doing it over and over and over until the brain gets them. Okay, she's done with it. Mm -hmm. And then you'll notice that they don't occur as much and eventually mm -hmm. they just fade out. Mm -hmm. And that just deals with, you know, how our brains are, what it records, because the brain is so powerful. You know, you hear about people who heard noises, uh, somebody mm -hmm. told them to go and kill somebody. Yeah. That's how yeah. powerful the brain is. Yeah. So yeah. we can use it for our benefit and starting mm -hmm. new habits, okay, mm -hmm. and routines, okay? Mm -hmm. So every night, starting, you know, I'm going to have this routine where I meditate and then, you know, I drift on off to sleep. I will say that for myself, um, in the business that I deal with, I hear a lot of, you know, nobody goes to a therapist because everything is going right. So you hear a lot of stuff. And there are other occupations that are just as intense as what I do. So one of the things I do, I go to YouTube every night and find mm -hmm. me something funny to watch. Okay. Okay. Laughter yep. is medicine for your soul. It sure <laughs> is. Yep. I go to bed with a oh, laugh. Probably. I love that. I love that. We we are in such trying times, you know, that you've got to protect. you got to protect your emotions. you got to mm -hmm. protect that thought life because mm -hmm. it's the thoughts that generate the feelings and the behavior. So mm -hmm. I've got to kind of rid myself of all that stuff that I've dealt with during the day. Mm -hmm. And for me, um, it's watching something funny. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. I like that. I like that. Deborah, thank you. This has been so helpful, especially for me, because like I said, you know, going through that whole preparing for Mother's Day and having that meltdown. Uh -huh. I was like, what is going on? I have never felt uh -huh. this way before. So thank you so much. And I know this is going to be helpful to someone else. So the name of the show, Real Talk for Real Women, Let the Healing Begin. And I know healing is going to begin here and now. So thank you. And, and before you leave, can you let folks know how to get in touch with you if they want a great counselor here in the Kanye's area? Okay. So I'm at uh, Rafa House Counseling, not to be confused with Waffle House. Because <laughs> people will say to me, Waffle House? Why you <laughs> Rafa, R-A-P-H-A. And in the Bible, Rafa refers to healing. And that's why I chose that. Um, so Rafa House Counseling, my phone number is 770-648-6346. Um, you can visit my website, www.rafahousecounseling.com. So awesome. those are the ways you can get in contact. Awesome. Thank you, Deborah. You're I very welcome. you. God bless you. Have a wonderful evening. You too. My Phoebe is dedicated to encouraging women through community building, storytelling, and providing resources to help them catch and release the curveballs life will sometimes throw their way. 
And as author Noel Schwantz so eloquently reminds us, somewhere in the world, there is a darkness only you can heal. To do it, you have to face your shame. Visit us at www.lovemyphoebe.com to learn more.